Good afternoon, everybody, and happy Friday. Welcome to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today is a very special day. Just to begin with, I uh, just want to remind you that we are not going to be gathering this, this Friday today. We're not gathering together at 6.30 p.m. here at Morgan's Church because my wife and I aren't in the the area. <laughs> I kidnapped her and I took her off with me uh, uh, for a little sweet vacation for her birthday. And so uh, right now, as you're watching this, we are uh, most likely on a plane <laughs> headed out west amen and so just just so that you know there's there's going to be no classes today uh, but praise god this this is an exciting place that we have in luke chapter number 16 we touched on it just as finishing yesterday but we're really going to dig into the parable of the dishonest manager today very exciting place in scripture so uh, before we begin, let's turn to the Lord asking for His blessing and prayer, and we'll dive into this thing. Father, we give you praise for the beauty of this day. We thank you, Lord, for all we are able to do and the places that we're able to go and the things we're able to get into today. We pray that blessing upon this hour, this time, that we may celebrate the Word of God, that we may separate our hearts from from the the insanity of of the day and that we may be able to feast upon thy riches lord that we may may grow thereby because we all understand by this point in our lives that we are thy servants and that we are called into thy fields for the labor and so we pray that you'll give us the tools we need that you'll give us the understanding necessary to be good stewards good servants lord We've spent enough of our life being dishonest managers. We've spent enough of our life being being unfaithful, untrue. Lord, correct us, guide us, and lead us that we may be your servants in light. In Jesus' name, amen. Coming to the parable of the dishonest manager, as we read from verses 1 to 13 here in Luke chapter 16, the scripture goes down and I'm reading today from the English Standard Version. He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be a manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said uh, to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, 
For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Oh, praise the Lord. Such a beautiful teaching is Jesus' point. And we, we often say this, and, and we say it to so many different degrees, as verse number 13 reveals. No servant can serve two masters. Now, whether we talk about... Uh, work or church. We talk about money or God. We talk about a pleasure or or service to God. Everything that we could see that could potentially come as a division point for our heart before the Lord comes to verse number 13, because those things which we labor to possess and those things which we labor to, to control, those things which we labor to own or the things well, that would be possessed, the things which we labor to enjoy or to 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 have vacations and all of these different things that we might labor to to do, in which case we would take away from God. We would take our time away from God. We would take our our place in the church away from God. We we, we would end up chasing after this other thing more than we would chase after God. It falls into the realm of Luke chapter 16 and verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Now, understanding that money of itself and, and fame of itself or, or possessions of themselves or any other thing that often we have brought between us and God, those things of themselves are neither good nor evil. They're they're abstracts. They're, they're just things. They, they don't possess an inherent ability to corrupt you or convince you one way or the other. It's the way your heart pines for it. It's the way your desire longs for it instead of the things of God. So money can be used for the kingdom of God. Status used for the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, possessions used for the kingdom of God. All, all of these things could be great things that would bring people to a knowledge of Jesus Christ if they be used for the kingdom of God. But oftentimes when we possess these things, we tend to consume them upon our own lust. And that's kind of what, what the gospel of James in chapter number four, when he says, you ask, but you do not receive because you ask amiss that you could consume it upon your own lust. A lot of the times we're angry with God because we asked him for things, but the reason why we're asking for them 
is because we want and desire them even more than God. Now, we make up the excuses that if I had these things, that I would do something for God. If, if, I, if I won the lottery, I would tithe uh, a portion of it. I would, I would do something for missions. If I, if I only had this car, then I could you know, do this for the kingdom of God. If I only had this house, if I had this boat, if I had these things... I, I could use them to serve God, but then it, it we just never reach a place where we can obtain those things. We get so angry because we say, well, God, I've been praying about this for a long time, and you know this is usable in your kingdom, so why won't you give these things to me? Well, the, the answer is, is that God knows that as soon as you get these things, you're just going to turn around and go do your own thing with them. You're not going to do what you said you were going to do, and God knows you. God we, we've been covering this for the last several weeks. Is that God knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. God knows you. And God knows what you're saying, but God also knows what you will do if you are able to possess these things. And, and oftentimes you'll find with the children of God that it is better for them to be poor and without, yet with the meager things that they have that they do serve God than to be insanely rich and wealthy and be worthless in the kingdom of God. So kind of important to realize that, and and it comes out in this point. Uh, Jesus would then say, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who's going to entrust to you true riches? Now, true riches... Uh, the unrighteous wealth. Now we're dealing with what this particular person of the parable is supposed to be doing. You see, he said, I cannot dig. I, this guy's saying, I've never been in a position in my life where I actually had to do manual labor. <laughs> this this guy's freaking out because he comes from a position of wealth and and class and privilege as concerning Jesus's day where where you were either born a free person of Rome which carried by itself a certain status and a certain uh, position of wealth and class that would elevate you above all the rest of the people to begin with and then within the class of Rome you you would have different heights different sects of that class but in a caste-based system, if you're poor, you're poor. You're never going to come up above poor. And and if you're if you're wealthy, then it determines upon who you're you're connected to as to what sphere of wealth or wealthiness that you're allowed to be in engaged in. But nevertheless, this particular steward is a person who is born into a position of status uh, to a family of wealth, and he's never done any true labor, true work, a day in his life. And so he's been usurping the the master's goods. He's been he's been getting paid for no labor. He's been he's been uh, abusing his position of of influence of his he's abusing his position of of status and wealth and and ultimately though he is in the caste of of the wealthy yet still he's serving another master 
And, and when this guy is accused before the master of, of squandering and his accounts are called, his books are, are required to be checked, he freaks out in this parable. And this is true of us because if we really realized, and, and truly, if we, if we really believed what the Scripture said, that every every thought, every word, every deed will be brought into account in the day that we stand before Jesus in judgment. Now, I, I want you to hear this from God's Word. I'm, I'm going to go there and, and bring out a couple of things from God's Word. This, this particular parable is dealing with, with the faithfulness of God's people to His kingdom's work. And it's really important for us because I think in a lot of ways we often squander our our talents, we squander our abilities, we squander our possessions that that are truly meant to be used for God's kingdom, and and we tend to embellish upon ourselves and 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 lavish upon ourselves, and and, and in a lot of ways we're like this this um, manager here where God has given us a particular area, a particular community, a, a particular church, a particular people to, to serve on behalf of Jesus, but instead of taking care of them, we just spend all of our time taking care of us. And then one day our books are going to be called into account of the deeds and the activities and the things that we had done for God's kingdom. And if those pages are going to be empty, it's like the wood, hay, and stubble that's going to be burned up in a fire. And we're going to look at this. I want you to hear this from the scripture. I'm going to be taking us, let me first make mark of, okay, I marked where I was going to be so I don't get lost. I'm going to take us to First Peter chapter number 4, and I want you to hear this is dealing, 1 Peter chapter number 4 is dealing with being stewards of God's grace. And of course, we're dealing with the, un, the unjust steward here, the steward being a manager. And the scripture says, uh, going to go down to verse number 17, but I'll start in verse number 1 actually. It says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. And verse number two of First Peter four is really what smacks us, because the challenge of this this steward that Jesus is teaching in the parable is that he's he's living out his life in the lust of his flesh, chasing after his his passions. But he's not living for the will of the master that, that he belongs to. And so it's very important to realize that, that when others see this steward or, or as he has been usurping additional taxes from these other people, like the guys that racked up their bills, of course, they, they owe 100 measures of oil or 100 measures of wheat. And, and, and he's let them slide for additional favors. Now he's, he's uh, cutting their bill. In, in some cases, he's cutting it in half. And what his hopes are is that when he gets fired from the work that he's doing, that at least these guys, because of how gracious he was, at least these guys will accept him. They will receive him 
into their houses so that he can figure out what to do in order to be able to live. But do you really think that a person who's who's now being forced to pay 50 even though he owed 100, do you think he's going to be happy that he has to pay 50? He's trying to get away with not paying anything. He's he's uh adding adding uh, profits of himself to an account of a bill that that has not been called due. And he's hoping that ultimately he can title 12 that thing in bankruptcy and, and protect himself from that, that master ever calling his debt. And a lot of people live their lives that way. They usurp all of the things of God that, that he had put in this world. And they, they have this idea, well, baptism covered my account as far as baptism was my means to claim chapter 12 bankruptcy. So, so that the Lord, even though I've, I've sinned against him, even though I've usurped his goods and, and still continue to live off my own pleasure and my own lust and live my own way, yet, yet because I was baptized, you see, that is the protections that I have taken in order to keep the account from being called in. So he can't claim the debt that I owe because I protected myself. I got baptized, right? I prayed that prayer, right? I go to church, right? I, I, I do all these things so that should protect me from being able to live my life the way I want, right? Wrong. That's not how it works. But man has set himself into this position for, for an ability to be able to cheat, Man has come up with these concepts in order to be able to make as much gain as he can and, and still protect himself from any potential losses due to debts that are owed. But it doesn't work the same way with God. He doesn't play by the same rules because as man sets rules against man in corruption, they always destroy. But God is the authority that sets the rules of, of eternity, and there's no man that can challenge it. And so it comes down, and he says, he says that, that you are, we are called no longer to live the rest of this time as children of God after human passions in the flesh, but to seek the will of God. <coughs> That's a good steward. To seek the will of God, for the time is past. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do: living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they they were surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery that, and they malign you. In other words, you're not supposed to be playing the same roles, being the same person after salvation that you were before salvation. You're not, you're not supposed to be falling back into that point of life after salvation, but to live forward into the kingdom of God instead of slipping back into the roles of what they are maligning you to, as the scripture reveals, that you reach them and bring them to the glory of God so they could be saved says in verse number five, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And understand, this is exactly what that steward in, in Luke 16 was called when the father said, when, when the master, I should say, 
Uh, of course, I let the cat out of the bag on that. You know who this this master is. He he looks at this person. He says, "I'm calling your records to bear. Give an account of all that you've done." What in the world are you going to do when that day comes? Because that day's coming for you, and that day's coming for me, and that day is is going in a very real sense, is going to be a day of reckoning. What are we going to say? What are we going to do if we've never done anything for God's kingdom? Oh, maybe we've thrown a 20 at it. Maybe we've we've told somebody they were doing a good job and, and, and we sought to, to encourage them. Uh, maybe, we, maybe we, you know, at one time showed up to church on a regular basis and, 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 and whatever, but come on. Is that really serving God? Are you really, do you honestly think that you are serving God by by just doing the bare minimum like this manager who just, just barely did what he was supposed to do so that he could spend the majority of his time consuming the world, consuming the, the treasures and pleasures of God's kingdom upon his own lust? Don't you understand you'll be called into an account? And that's exactly what verse number 5 of 1 Peter 4 says. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. By the way, to judge the living, those are the children of God. And the dead, those who are separated from God in hell. He's the judge of both the living and the dead. Don't think for a second that your salvation was the point of your judgment and that you faced no judgment and that it's all done and you're, you could just go on like that ridiculous teaching that happened all through the 80s, possibly into the 90s, may still even be taught today is that it doesn't matter what you do, it's all under the blood. Well, whoever lied to you, whatever Baptist, it was almost, it was almost too difficult to say that, but whatever, whatever denomination, whatever Baptist told you that you're fine and whatever you choose to do because everything is under the blood lied to you. It's a lie. That's not true. He is the judge, by the way, and he is ready to judge both you and the person you were supposed to reach, but you were too busy consuming your own desires to even bother sharing the gospel with anyone else. Verse 6, <clears throat> For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged, though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Look, this flesh, there's nothing good in it. There's nothing nothing true about it. This flesh is carnal. It's wicked. It, it deserves the death that it faces in the future. It deserves to go back to the ground of corruption where it comes from. And indeed, I accepted in the time of my salvation that this flesh was judged accordingly. I agree that this flesh is no good, that it does deserve the destruction that it faces. But praise God. God that he has saved me. He saved my soul. He's given me eternal life. He's given me eternal spirit. He's given me eternal hope. And, and, and thus we live through that spirit. Thus we live through Christ. Thus we live for the will of God. 
And that is why the gospel is to be preached to those you know that don't have Jesus. That's why you are that minister of righteousness. You are that gospel of light to their lost and dying souls because that's why the gospel is preached to those who are dead so that they can become alive. Don't you realize that at one moment you yourself sitting there watching this was dead? You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead to, to Christ and to life. Oh, you might have been very alive to the world, and the world might have rejoiced in you, and the world might have reveled in all of the things it was able to do in, with, and through you. But to what mattered, you were dead. And Jesus came to you. Somebody loved you enough to tell you about Jesus. Somebody loved you enough to share the word of God with you, and somebody loved you enough to challenge you to get saved. Somebody loves you. How many other people have you loved in the same manner? How many people have you brought to the kingdom? How many people have you reached out to with the gospel of Jesus and led them to Jesus? For this is why the gospel was preached, verse 6, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keeping Keeping um, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. And since love covers a multitude of sins... Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, he says in verse 12, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Talking about that very moment, two different kinds of trials talking about. The first trial is dealing with the fiery trials of this world and the way that this world is going to so despise the gospel of Jesus Christ that there may come a day where they come after you. There may come a day where they try to throw you in prison or they try to burn you at the stake. There may come a day where they try to line up a firing squad and kill you. There may be people in the community get so angry with you for telling them the truth that they try to kill you. They, there's so many different ways that that fiery trial can come to test you. There's no question, but understand this, Christian. There's also a fiery trial in heaven. We're about to read about 1 Corinthians 3. And don't let that trial catch you by surprise either because you're being warned about it right now. And the gold, silver, and precious stones and in the wood, hay, stubble is the difference between what you did on this earth in this life serving Jesus and what you didn't. He said, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, 
but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and of the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Doing. Guys, don't you realize that that this judgment begins with us? So let's take a look at it. I love taking a look at this. It keeps it fresh in the soul. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, we're going to be starting at verse number 1. Very important to get the fullness of the text. But I, brothers, Paul would say, could not address you as spiritual people, but as a people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for solid food, and even now you're not yet ready for it. For you are still of the flesh. Can you imagine a people being connected to a church for 40, 50, 60 years who still can't stomach the the reality of Christ, who still can't stomach the truths of God's word because for all of these decades that they've been bringing in pastors and been bringing up teachers that would tickle their ears or would give them some good entertainment for a Sunday, but never teach them anything about the gospel. In fact, they would they would bring in pastors who had never learned the intimate details of the gospel and only teach what they were taught in, in their cemetery. I mean, seminary. Can you imagine? He said, you, you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife, well, let me back up a little bit. Verse 2, he said, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it. And even now you're not re- yet ready, for you're still in, of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. You're not supposed to be behaving this way, church. You're supposed to be behaving like Jesus. But you can't behave like someone that you don't know anything about. You can't, you can't follow someone that you don't know anything about. You, you can't really truly believe and trust in someone you don't know anything about. And if you're not going to be taught Jesus, how in the world are you going to know him? Well, he's my savior. <laughs> so you say. The scripture goes to verse number four. It says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Are they not servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each? The Lord assigned to each. This is exciting because I'm called, you're called, we're all called as the children of God to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that Jesus has assigned a a certain amount of lost people to your account. You don't know who they are. Jesus hasn't given that to you. 
But there are people within your sphere of influence that Jesus has directly applied to your account so that, that, that you would be able to share the gospel with them. And that is exactly what we find in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 3. He said, as the Lord assigned to each. In other words, Paul is saying the people that I've reached are people who I was supposed to reach because they were assigned to, to hear the gospel from me by Jesus. Because Jesus is guiding the souls of the lost into the path of the souls of the saved so that the saved can speak to the lost the life-giving words of Jesus and that they themselves can become children of God. And so if you're a, a unfaithful manager, if you're a bad manager, and with the things of God that he's given to you, the people that come into your life you never share the gospel with, and you 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 pull back out of fear, and you pull back out of doubt and worry, fill in the blank of the excuse that you're going to use that you didn't share the gospel with the lives of those that Jesus assigned to you, what in the world makes you think that God's going to be satisfied with you, happy with you, rejoicing with you, showing up at the gates of heaven? Why should he let you through those gates? Now, I'm not talking about the fact that you would live a life of, of, of trusting in Jesus unto salvation only to get to heaven and then him say, get out, you're no longer mine. No, that's not how God works. That's how man works. That's, what, that's exactly what a divorce is. Saying I love you, uniting together in matrimony with you, connecting myself as one flesh to you, and then after a period of time saying I don't love you anymore, get out. God does not operate that way. If he, if he makes a promise to you, God upholds his promise on his word and he never turns back. But don't think for one second that you will be able to enjoy the eternal pleasures of heaven having never done anything for God. Honestly, honestly, you think that it's okay that you can live a life of riotousness and sin in this world having separated yourself from the work and the kingdom and the things of God that you are called to do and you honestly think that when you show up to heaven that everybody's just going to be tickled to death that you made it there? No. No. That's false thinking. And it's going to cost you dearly because everything you thought you would possess will be burned up in this fire and everything you thought was going to happen is not going to be the case. And you're going to be so surprised when you meet that fire, but praise God, you've already been warned. He said, you're still of the flesh. He comes down. <clears throat> And he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God's the one who gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how 
He builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw. Now, a, a thought about this building, keep in mind, as you would consider gold, silver, precious stones, you would look at the temple that, that Solomon built and the glory of that temple and the beauty of that temple and the, I mean, just, just, just the strength of that temple. But then consider a shack of wood, hay, and stubble as that big bad wolf would come. I'll huff and puff and blow your house down. Wood, hay, and straw ain't going to hold, is it? Each one's work, verse 13, each one's work. Your works judge different from my works, judge different from every other child of God's works because our works are given unto us by Jesus personally and he's the one that upholds each person. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Don't, don't you understand who you belong to? And that, that's the very concept that we have in Luke chapter 16 and this, this dishonest manager. Don't you understand who you belong to? Don't you under don't you know who you're working for? Don't you realize that, that this is a kingdom that requires labor and you say but but I've never digged. I'm not strong enough to dig. Well you better get strong. Well I, I I'm too ashamed to beg. Well, praise God then do something. Do something. Give as this has been given to you. Serve, as has been revealed to you. Live, as has been shown to you. Be what has been commanded of you. Don't you know? Don't you know? If you've not been faithful in those things of the world, why should God entrust you with anything in His kingdom? And if, if you've not been faithful in, in, in taking care of other people's property, other people's things, why in the world would God give you your own? Why would he do that? You ask God for a million dollars. Why in the world would God give you a million dollars when he's blessed you with other things that you've squandered, destroyed, and consumed instead of, instead of being a blessing to others with it? You know, uh, concerning the preacher's corner, uh, a prime example, I'll throw myself under the bus <laughs> with this, but but every ounce of, of money that has come into the preacher's corner that, that, that has been earmarked for this has gone back into uh, the, the, the purchase of, of this computer. You see this computer right here. 
and and and, and has gone into the 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 cam link that is connecting the the camera that you can't see because it's what I'm looking at right now, and which which the camera that you can't see so you can get this kind of video and the and the microphone here that you can see you see this microphone right here that that's attached to this particular soundboard right here so that so that it will provide us with a, a level of audio that would be uh, at least pleasant to be able to hear and and all of these cables and all of these different things the the monies that would be given to this ministry are monies that are turned right back around into the the maintenance and the maintaining of all of this so that the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ can go out into the whole world the whole world and that's that is being faithful with what God has provided, being faithful with the ministry God has put on the heart. What if the only thing, what if the only thing that God had desire of you to do is share the gospel with your family, share the gospel with your neighbor, share the gospel with with the people around you? What if that was the only thing that God would, would require of you to do? And isn't that much at that point? And it doesn't cost anything. Have you been faithful? Have you been faithful? What a powerful parable is this. Father, we give you thanks for the blessing of this day, for the word of God. And Lord, I pray that your blessing will pour out upon this online congregation that gathers to hear your word. Bless it in Jesus' name, and we shall give thee praise. Amen. Y'all take care. Have a great Shabbat. Have a great weekend. May God bless you, keep you, and cause his face to shine upon you. And I'll catch you Monday, 4 o'clock. Oh, by the way, you are definitely going to want on Sunday to catch the Preacher's Corner, for I will be broadcasting from where I'm going to be on Sunday at, at about 10.45 to 11 a.m., I'll be broadcasting from the Preacher's Corner, so you don't want to miss that. Definitely tune in. Until then, God bless.